welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and prefer not to disclose, back to the Undressing Underground podcast. That is my cat, Boris Karloff, scratching the box in the background because he wants something. I don't know what it is. Anyway, today on the show, we have Q2 and TV's Frank. From the original trilogy forum and fanedit.org. If you haven't figured out from the second thing, they are here because they are fan editors, primarily a Star Wars, though these sites cover a lot of things. Uh, they're both involved in the running of fanedit.org, which on the front page is advertising an extended edition of Amazing Spider Man 2. A uh, shorter cut of Insidious, Blade Runner Dance Macabre. I probably just said that wrong. You sound like a fucking idiot, right? Blade Runner is a boring movie. Beautiful, yes, but insanely boring. Uh, replacing 95% of the droning score with classical music. Removing slowly paced necessary scenes. Rearranging scenes for more narrative interest. Anyway, I'm not talking to this person, so it doesn't matter. TV's Frank does a ridiculous edit of uh, the Star Wars prequels where he gives him a sort of silly, weird humor. And Q2 is one of the, uh, the, like, the main guys that's made the prequels more better, more respectable. I don't know. Anyway... Let's get to them because this is a long episode. I talked to the two of them for about an hour and 15 minutes. And then I talked to a person that posted a weird thing in the Craigslist misconnection section in the New York area. And I forgot to mention a robot will read her post before I talk to her. And at the end, I announced that we have a special announcement coming later this week for this Thursday's Gawker guest. It's a big one, so stick around to not find out who it is because we'll announce it later this week. On with the show. Hey. Hey there. I was just talking with Q2 on... There we go. I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's a little bit weird. Never actually done this before. Can I not? Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think any of us have. Yeah. Yeah, I generally don't use Google Hangouts, so... Yeah, me neither. I mean, sometimes, but never with more than one person. So, what's up? Why did you guys want to do this together? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think it was... My suggestion, wasn't it? Oh, actually, yeah, it was. Well, first, I guess we should explain which one of you is which. Um, <laughs> which one wants you? Which one wants to introduce yourself first? I guess uh, I'll let you go first. Okay, I'm I'm Tiki's Frank. Frank with an I. Uh, yes. So it's a it's it's a combination of TV's Frank and Professor Frank. Oh, and, I never put that together. Yeah, and. Someone gave it to me. I didn't come up with it myself. This was back in like sort of when I first discovered online forums. I think it was like 1999. Mm -hmm. And it was on a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy site. 
and which I don't ever, I don't go there anymore, but it still exists. It's called H2G2, and it was actually started by Douglas Adams. Hmm. Um, and anyways, I was kind of like kicking around for a name and talking about what I liked, and I mentioned The Simpsons and Mr. Size Theater, and someone put that together. I don't remember who, but <laughs> it stuck because I liked it. Yeah, how long has it been now? Like 16 years it's stuck? <laughs> yeah, 15, 16 years, yeah. Jeez. And... um. Q2, is that is that where you're going to go as, is Q2? Yeah, Q2 is my moniker for fan editing, so I mean, that, that's fine. Okay. And there is no real story behind it, unfortunately. <laughs> Many people have tried to put something together, and there really is no story. I think I was paying my bills, and I was like, eh, quarter two, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wish I had a better story for you. That's fine. Um I mean, while we're doing this, you guys are free to ask each other questions, too, if you have any for each other. Um, huh. So, I don't know exactly how to do this. I've never done two people at once. I guess I could just throw out a question, and <laughs> whichever one of you wants to answer again. Um, sure. how, did, how did you guys get into this community of fan editing? Um, I'm trying to think of when I... You've been a part of it longer than I have, Frank, right? Yeah, I was going to... I... I was going to call it up and see when I joined because I, I, I forgot to do that before we got on, but uh, <laughs> let's see. This is the original trilogy for him? Actually, so when when Q, to, when Q and I are talking, we're really talking about fanedit.org. Oh, okay. Um, I spend a lot of time on orig, originaltrilogy.com also. Um, Q, not so much. Uh, let's see. But I joined them both pretty close to the same time. So my join date was June of 08, so seven years. Okay. All right. And for fanfe.org, fanedit.org, um, and I, I usually abbreviate it just FE. That's fine. When I talk about it. Um, FE and OT. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. going to have to look at a few. Right, OT yeah, original I, trilogy. I yeah. joined in December of 08, so oh, same wow. year as you. Uh, and then I think I originally stumbled upon OriginalTrilogy.com first. And from there, I sort of migrated over um, to FE. So it's probably about the same year, maybe 2007, but around the same time. I'm thinking I did the same thing. I'm looking at my OT profile right now. Uh, I couldn't find a date. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's set up so different. Oh, actually, it was a year later. It was July of 2009. That's weird. Hmm. You know what? I think I found Original Trilogy first, but it wasn't the forum that I found. It was when the site was really just about getting the Original Trilogy on DVD. It was a petition drive. Oh, That's right. I saw they still do that, right? Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah it's a long torture. <laughs> Is it still the same petition or have they redone it? No, it's well. Originally, it was to get the original trilogy on DVD, and that exists now. It's on DVD and it's on Blu-ray, but it's not really the, what we call the original original trilogy. It's George Lucas's version of the original trilogy. What does that mean? It means that it's the special edition. Oh, really? Yes. I thought he finally did the like theatrical cuts. He did, but it was on. It's. Uh, to my knowledge, it's not on Blu-ray, and the DVD is like substandard. It, it was released as like a bonus content disc or bonus discs as part of the, you know, and it, or not the original 
DVD release, but a secondary DVD release. Right. It was almost supplemental, and it's not even anamorphic. It's like right. Letterboxd in four by three. So right. So it's yeah. a pretty basically it's a pretty shitty copy is what it comes down to. Yeah, it almost yeah. sounds like a fuck you to you guys. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll see. In fact, on, on on OT, it's typically called the gout, which is um, <laughs> it's called George's original unaltered trilogy. That's the. <laughs> um, so, what drew you guys to original trilogy? Then it's just, it sounds like you both started there. Well, I guess you know, as I'm thinking about it, I went there for that petition. I don't, I don't remember when, but it was certainly before I joined, and so. Uh, fan FE was really where I joined up first. Oh, okay. And what brought me there was something called the Phantom Edit. Have you heard of this? Yeah, that like huge fan edit of uh, Phantom Menace that like Pat Oswald and stuff talked about. Yes, it was done by a professional editor. I think his name is Mike Michael J Nichols. I think. Okay. And um, but no one knew that at the time. No one knew he was a professional editor, and he, you know. People just thought he was this fan that had, you know, cut this movie to get rid of a lot of Jar Jar's, you know, <laughs> awful, awful stuff and get rid of some of Jake Lloyd's awful acting. And so it just kind of became this internet thing. And I read about it somewhere. I don't remember where. And in trying to search down a copy of it, I ended up at FE. Hmm. And that's how I got there. Was that similar to the case with you, QT? Q2, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Um, oh, I'm trying, thinking back. Um, I'm trying to remember. I, I mean, if I ended up at Original Trilogy, I'm sure it was Star Wars related. Um, I, I've never actually seen the Phantom Menace, uh, the Phantom Editor version. Really? Uh, and didn't, wasn't, I, I know. There were much better ones that came out after the fact. So, um, But... Um, wasn't there some rumor that a lot of people speculated that it was Kevin Smith as well at one point? Yes, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was a fan, though, too, wasn't he? He was. Yes. I believe he was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if, if, it's, if it was original trilogy that I started out at, I'm sure it was Star Wars related. So, oh, that's, that's interesting, though. You never saw... I mean, it should be made clear, I guess, both of you... You've only done the prequels, right? You've only edited the prequels? I have done the prequels, and then I did sort of a hybrid special edition of episode six, where I cut out the vast majority of the special edition effects and reincorporated um, the original trilogy stuff. So basically the original ending with the original actor instead of Hayden Christensen, though I did leave in the special edition um, ending with Naboo and Coruscant and all that stuff uh, instead of the Wick, uh, the the Ewok ending. Um, I put in the original song at Jabba's Palace and replaced it, uh, replacing the Jedi Rock one. But then I got rid of the beak that was in Sarlacc Pit and stuff like that. So it was sort of this weird hybrid of the two that I created. It was something that I did more for myself, but... It did. Um, I did end up making it available for some people. Okay. What do you mean, some people? You didn't put it on like fanedit.org? It's up there, but it just—I never really promoted it as much. I don't. I think. Um, I don't think that it was, you got like front page or anything like that because it was. I think it was considered more of a special edition 
preservation sort of thing at the time. Hmm. There was a there, because at Fanon, we we have a policy that if it's um, you have to have a certain number of changes, uh, otherwise, if it's too basically if it's too close to like what's available commercially, you're kind of borderline. I guess copyright infringement, <laughs> right? Uh, Towarding original stuff, you want to make it enough, it, different enough. Um, and I think it was uh, a little too close um, to be made, you know, kind of promoted and all that stuff. Okay, can you guys hold on one second? Sorry, my cat wants to come back in. <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> Does that sound right to you, Frank? Do you remember? Uh, sorry, I was <laughs> I was actually searching for something when you were talking that last bit there. I know I'm boring when I talk. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I was trying to look up a date. <laughs> yeah. So. But, uh, but yeah, regarding what you're saying as far as the, you know, being too close to the original, yes, I agree. Yeah, I think it was, I'm going to go look it up now because I'm curious. Sorry, what was that about? <laughs> oh, we were just, I was confirming my story with Frank about Return of the Jedi and how it was released. Yeah, it's considered a special, it was considered a spe what we call special projects, so. Hmm. Um and those are basically where they're they're too close to what is commercially available, um, so they don't get the promotion that we normally give on front page and stuff like that. Okay. Are either of you worried about copyright infringement? Do you guys ever worry about? Because I mean, obviously we're both we're doing this all anonymously. But um. No, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, well, Q2 can tell his story. <laughs> if he wants. I don't know if he wants to. We were just talking about it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I wasn't until I released uh, the Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me um, extended edition um, shortly after all the missing pieces came out on Blu-ray. Hmm. And there were many, many cease and desists and takedown notices to uh, places that I posted it. And I actually stopped posting it after having a lot of my stuff taken down, though thankfully someone else put it up so fans could see it. But um, hmm. I was never directly targeted, but... Uh, there were enough uh, enough notices that I got kind of concerned. It was a sort of thing they sent to people downloading movies, basically. Not not people downloading movies. Uh, basically, places where it was hosted. So uh, it was hosted on um, a digital locker, Mega. Um, it was hosted on Usenet, and I think that was it. Maybe it was hosted on a torrent site too. Um, and yeah, all three of them got takedown notices and threats, so they all removed them. Um, so I kind of backed away, but someone who actually managed to snag a copy reposted it about a month or two later, and it's still up. I don't know who that is, but thank you <laughs> for making it available and taking the heat off me. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Frank? Um, I was, but now I don't remember what. <laughs> Sorry. That's what happens when you get old. <laughs> Um, so, oh, I'm sorry. I just remembered. I was sure. going to go back and answer your, your previous question was if we had just done the prequels. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, that's all I've done with one exception, but it's not star Wars related. I did an edit of the first Austin powers movie, um, <laughs> just to re remove some of the kind of gross out humor. Cause that's kind of not my thing. Really? So, you know, like just off the top of my head, there's a Austin, Austin's in the a hot tub with, uh, what's her name? Um, a lot of vagina, okay. <laughs> and um, and 
there's just this throwaway bit where he farts and then makes a joke about it. And I'm just, I don't like fart jokes. So I cut that out. So. Really? Yeah. I mean, cause I, I watched um, your cut of the Phantom Menace and it's a, uh, I guess I'll explain it's what it's where you can explain um, your, your cut is different than most fan edits where they seek to just improve the film within like the context of the star Wars universe sort of yours right. was more, how would you describe yours? Well, so we, we have kind of the two main categories at FE are called fan fixes and fan mixes. Hmm. So a fan fix is the first thing is what you were talking about where, you know, uh, someone like the Phantom Edit that we talked about, it tries to fix the movie. It tries to get rid of some of the issues, whether it's, you know, bad dialogue or just annoying characters or potholes or whatever it is. And then the fan mixes are things where, like what I've done, where you try to create a whole new experience. And so, you know, in my case, it's to try to make the, the prequels as ridiculous as possible, which is why I call it the ridiculous trilogy. It, it's trying to add humor and silliness and just, you know, try to fix it in the way that I would like to see it fixed as opposed to making it sort of a serious edit. Um, there are some other really great fan mixes on the site, um, even just in the Star Wars genre. Uh, there's one called The War of the Stars, which is a grindhouse version of um, Episode Four, which we just call Star Wars. But um, So it's a grindhouse version in that it, he's added... Uh, it's by an editor called The Man Behind the Mask, and he's added like blood splatters when the stormtroopers <laughs> get shot, um, you know, scratches and dirt to the film. And um, he takes audio from like the radio plays as well. Um, and yeah. I think he's got some stuff from like a tape on book version. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah just I mean, all he... sorts of lo fi and yeah. You say um, radio plays? Of Star Wars? Yeah, there's uh, there was a radio play done in the UK back in, what was it, like 70, right, right, shortly after the movie came out, wasn't it? Like 78, 79? So. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so he, he mixed that in, and then there were like children's books uh, on old, like 45 records or whatever, um, or cassettes, and he, he got all that stuff and, yeah, mixed it in somehow. That sounds really interesting. But sorry, as you were, Frank. <laughs> so, so basically, you know, there's there's two kinds. So, um, like the stuff that I'm interested in, for instance, like I like the Matrix movies, but the first one is great. The second one was okay; it had problems, <laughs> and I thought the third one was awful. And there's a lot of Matrix edits on the sites where people try to fix the second and third ones, and a lot of them try to combine the two into a single movie and cut a lot of things out to shorten it. Hmm. Um, there's a few that just edit the two movies individually, but try to keep it cohesive. So those are fan fixes. And those are, you know, there's specific movies that I seek those out for. The Matrix is one of them. Um, Q2 did an edit that I like of uh, the fourth Indiana, jo Indiana Jones movie. Um, the Crystal Skull one? Crystal Skull, yeah. Huh. That was, that was I think, Q2, you probably call that a light fix, right? You just made a few edits here and there. Uh, that was a fan fix. Uh, and that was actually my very first edit that's kind of, uh yeah i'm trying to remember actually sorry i i should have said a better example that's probably the term the the terminator salvation edit you did that was really the one i was thinking of um no, sorry talking, are we talking fan mix or fan fix at this point a fan fixes fan fixes okay yeah that's another fan fix yeah so just stuff that 
the movies like the Terminator, like that Terminator Salvation and, and the Crystal Skull movie, movies that I thought had something there that I like, and there's a lot of it I like, but there's just stuff that bothers me about it. And, you know, if I'm lucky, someone like you too has fixed that stuff. And, you know, in several, you know, cases like The Matrix or Star Wars, or now with The Hobbit, we're seeing a lot of people making their fixes and you get to really kind of pick and choose what your version is. Or if you can't find a version you like, you learn how to make it yourself. Hmm. And that's what I that's what I liked about your take on uh, the Star Wars stuff, Frank, is that um, you you attempted to do something that no one else had done before, <laughs> and that and that's the thing that I I mean we get a, we, there's a lot of new people that come to uh, to FE, and the very first fan that they always do is Star Wars, and right now we're kind of having an influx on Man of Steel stuff. Yeah. Um, and the problem is, is that they all do relatively the same thing. There's nothing really new between them. So it, over, it becomes kind of oversaturated and not very interesting. And that's why I swore off doing um, prequel edits for the longest time, because I didn't think there was anything I could contribute to it uh, until I think it was uh, Late Rider. Uh, I was trying to convince him to do something with his episode three. And he wouldn't do it. So I'm like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do it myself then. And that got me to go in and uh, to do all three of them. Um, and I can say that uh, with the with the best of intent because he's a good friend of mine. So, <laughs> actually, so yeah. I, I know what you mean, too, as far as just like I never really wanted to do a serious edit of the prequels. And I just kind of searched around for one in, or a, 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 tri a trilogy by someone that kind of fit what I imagined I would do the closest. And as it turns out, Late Riders is the one I kind of consider my go-to for those movies if I'm going to watch a serious cut. Mm -hmm. But And now, you know, there's been plenty of ones that have been put out since then, but you just kind of get burned out on it. And you just stop trying to really find, you know, something that was tweaked just a little bit more. And if I'm not, if I remember correctly, Frank, you actually had, you, you were uh, keeping a log of all the different fan edits, Star Wars fan edits, and kind of referencing and kind of bullet pointing like all the changes in each edit, weren't you? Yeah, that was the Cutlass project. And uh, there you go. A, I had a lot more time back then. <laughs> I don't, I think, I don't know if I started it before our first kid or not, but I certainly didn't have two. So I had more time. And I had a lot of more energy and enthusiasm for these Star Wars projects. And I hadn't started editing myself yet. And so I was, not only was I looking for, you know, the versions I liked the best, but I was also trying to find a way to, contribute to the community and so i just started kind of a, a spreadsheet of kind of all the things that i would like to see changed if i was doing the editing and then i would watch the movie that someone else had edited and um, go through and just kind of catalog what they changed what they didn't change and then just post them the way i did that wait no i guess sorry i should back up it wasn't a spreadsheet i used the script so i would go through and with the script on one side of my computer and the movie playing on the other i would go and catalog by like highlighting what was cut out what was moved around and i would do that for each of the movies but it just got to be there were so many edits out there of, of these star wars prequels and it just took so much effort and i just got tired of it i eventually gave up so when you guys do you guys ever watch the original edits anymore uh <laughs> i don't it yeah no. i generally don't now so if you want if you want to watch the film, do you watch an edit or do you watch an edit because you want to see something about the edit or do you watch it because you want to see the movie? 
Well, it depends what movie it is, right? Like, so if it's something to stab, if it's if it's the prequels, I know I'm, you know, I'm watching Late Riders versions. I'm not watching the original. And and you know, we should mention that we always require. It, it's I don't really know how to just say this, but we we insist that people own the original movies when they're downloading edits. We don't really have anyone to police this, obviously, but we moderate cop you know discussions in the forum about that. And we need to make we always make it very clear that you need to own the original source that the edit was sourced from. So we still have, you know, I still have all the original movies, but I don't watch those versions. I watch, you know, late writers versions. When it comes to something like, um, to give a re- recent example, um, someone named Agent Knight, edit, not Agent Knight, I'm sorry, I apologize to him. It was, uh, man, who did, do you remember who did the Cloud Nine, or not Cloud Nine, the Cloud Atlas edit? Um... Oh man, uh, I can look it up real quick here. Oh, I remember who it is. He, it was uh, Avid 4D. That's right. That's right. And he doesn't really like me that much, so I shouldn't be giving him hope. But, <laughs> but anyway, like you? What are you talking I about? Know, I know it's unbelievable, right? <laughs> uh, so Cloud Atlas, I thought was I really like Cloud Atlas, but he took and I've never read the book, but I. I guess what he did is he structured it so that it was like the book, because I guess the movie was done in this different kind of format um, as far as, you know, the storytelling. Um, if I'm remembering right, the book was more of a wraparound. Um, and so he re-edited it that way. And you know, I already liked Cloud Atlas, but I watched it that way, not having read the book, and I found that I liked his way better. So, hmm. you know, next time I watch it, I'm going to watch it that way, not the original. But that's not a case of not liking the original. It's just a different experience. Um, and going back just a second, like you, like Frank said, like when people are looking to find copies of these edits, we do ask, you know, that you own an original copy. And we do that sort of thing also when it comes to fan editors. Um, yeah. we, we've caught more than our fair share of first timers submitting stuff that is not obviously original source material and we do call them out on it. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's, that's just, sorry to interrupt, not just call them out on it. We had one, we had one recently that was approved um, to the to the site, you know, it was listed as an approved edit. And um, we found out it wasn't sourced properly. It was, you know, it wasn't from an original version. And so we pulled it off the site. Hmm. And uh, yeah, we're, we, I, I know our, who, which of the Edmund um, figured it out? I yeah. think it was, uh, I think it was TM, uh, Take Me to Your Cinema, TM2. That's two, right. Yeah. yeah, and he, he did a he did a good job, and we're not going to reveal how he caught it, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, was like, it was like CSI fan edit. It was pretty high tech stuff. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> went all out, so kudos to him. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, because um, before we were part of the admin team of FE. Um, even I think before we joined the site as just visitors, um, they actually did have a couple of cease and desist and the site was shut down for a couple of days hmm. um, when the original um, site allowed actually had uh, download links. And the, um, the owner at that time uh, came up with the new policy that you, you know, no download links and you had to own source or, original source and stuff like that. So we, we do try to police it because, I mean, we, we are very cognizant of the fact that we're sort of operating in a gray zone. We all believe that what we're doing is done for educational purposes and is allowed by the copyright laws. Um, 
but we also don't want to, you know, take advantage of the situation at all, I guess. So we do, um, we do have sort of an honesty system where we trust people to use original source material. That way the studios get their pay and all that stuff. Um, and everyone hopefully stays happy. But uh, so Q2, do you, when you go back to watch these movies, do you watch, do you ever watch the original cuts or do you only watch the fan edits? It all depends. Um, it depends on my mood. Um, a good example, unfortunately, I'll just use one of mine. Uh, I, I did a, a, a fan mix called Memories Alone, which mixed uh, Black Swan and The Wrestler. <laughs> um, because the, the, stylistically, the, the stories are, they're, they're shot almost identical. Stories are very similar. Uh, so if you want sort of an abridged version of two movies in once, it's a great way to do it. But both movies stand, well, uh, you know, stand on their own. Um, so it all depends on my mood of what sort of movie I'm in the mood for. I mean, it should be noted, if anybody's not aware, both of those films were written and directed by Darren Aronofsky. So there's a reason why they're <laughs> so similar in style. Um, well, I, thought, I thought you just threw darts. Didn't you have a bunch of movies up on a dartboard and those were the two that hit? Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. That's a better story. <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Aaron Aronofsky, so it was all Aronofsky movies. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you're a big fan of Aronofsky. Do you guys have any directors that you would feel like it would be perverse almost to mess with their vision? Is there like any films that would be off limits for you guys? I, I would say no from my perspective because, well, I kind of understand, you know, why someone would feel that way, but, you know, we, because <laughs> I was going to say we don't intend these as replacements, but then I'm just talking about how <laughs> I watch certain things as replacements instead. So right. maybe that's not the best point to make. <laughs> well, they're alternatives. Like there's a director's yeah. cut, the final cut and whatever. Yeah. Other cuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in, in many ways, what we're doing is not that much different than what we've been experiencing over the last 20 years with DVDs of having the original cut come out. Then we've got the you know, the director's cut come out, then we've got, you know, uh, the unicorn paper mache cut of Blade Runner that came out. And then, I mean, it's, they're all fan edits. Unfortunately, they're done by the original, you know, filmmakers. Yeah. Um, so they can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, George, many, Lucas, George yeah, Lucas, we're not George doing anything really that different, except we don't have the original, you know, the original avid cuts or whatever they used. <laughs> Um, or the original negatives go back to. So we're we're sort of stuck with how they mixed it and all that stuff. But do you guys ever think like do you does it ever cross your mind like when you're trying to do something like uh like the prequels of the Star Wars films like it seems a lot of times there's this sense of I'm gonna be doing this in the mindset of Lucas in the seventies instead of Lucas in 2000, whatever. Um, do you guys ever, does the director's intent ever enter your guys' minds when you're doing edits or when you're seeking out edits? Um, yes. When I did, um, the Twin Peaks firewalk with me one, uh, the original release was about two hours and 20 minutes long, and there was 90 minutes originally cut from the movie. 
Um, so when I went and or when the when the Blu-ray came out with all 90 minutes, uh, they basically went back and cleaned up all the negatives and presented in HD and it looked fantastic. Hmm. Um, even though Lynch went in and re-edited those scenes sort of as their own 90 minute montage slash story. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of tough to explain if you haven't seen it. Um, but they didn't like a lot of deleted scenes like, you know, cut in, cut out, cut in, cut out. I mean, he had to kind of meld it and had fades and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had to go back and look at the original shooting script um, and base the extended edition that I did off of that. And so it, it, I, I do like it, but I mean, it is, you know, three, almost a four hour cut of the Twin Peaks movie, which might be taxing for anyone to watch. Um, <laughs> if Unless you're a, a huge, huge fan. But yeah, no, I was very cognizant um, at, when I was putting that together to kind of adhere to his script uh, as it was originally intended. And I'm kind of at the other end because I I never in a million years thought I'd be editing anything. <laughs> I don't think of myself as an editor. I'm certainly not, you know, uh, like I don't have any aspirations to be an editor. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a casual movie fan, you know, and that I don't, um, I, I'd almost say I'm kind of a lazy movie watcher in a lot of ways. You know, twists tend to, to tend to catch me by surprise. I'm not always like, you know, analyzing the movie as I'm watching it. I just kind of go with the flow. And so I'm not really thinking. I actually have to be careful about that. If I'm, a, a, I don't think I could do a lot of certain kinds of edits because I think they would be, you know, beyond kind of my capabilities. You know, my stuff is mainly silly things. And even, you know, the quote serious edit I did was of a silly movie, the Austin Powers movie. So you know, and then the Star Wars ones are just complete, you know, silly, ridiculous things that hopefully still make sense. But, you know, I'm, do I'm doing it for fun. And, you know, if George Lucas were to ever see him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, when I was watching yours, I uh, I had trouble remembering what the plot was after a while. <laughs> because you do do so many repetitive gags and like just cutting back and forth. And I kept like. I was like, wait, why are they underwater again? And <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, and you've just watched the first one, right? Like, yeah. I, I think I've gotten a little better at that as I've gone along. I finished the second one, and I'm um, more than halfway through the third one now, and I think they're getting better as I get my arms around more what I'm trying to do, and I'm also getting more you know, feedback from other people in the community. Um, so, yeah, hopefully they make more sense as I go along, but yeah, there's certainly a, um, kind of a, what kind of an airplane kind of sets to them. Yeah. Know. I was going to say, I mean, in my head, I kept thinking of it as like dad humor almost, but that seems <laughs> kind of a bad way of putting it. But yeah, there's oh, definitely, now like, I feel now yeah, I feel. sorry, but there's, yeah, there's definitely like that airplane sort of like fire sign theater. Um, yeah. Goofy humor it's not very satirical or sardonic or anything or it's just very like um i guess like you're saying before about the way you watch movies it's like very casual it's just like the joke is in that moment each time it's not yeah. like really referencing anything else outside of the except for bender's voice throughout it but <laughs> yeah, and i do i mean i do try to bring stuff back um you know i do have running gags through it but there is a lot of kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks and you know, yeah. 
just seeing what hopefully works and what doesn't. Um, have either of you guys ever considered doing re-editing a fan edit? <laughs> That's typically frowned upon, which is, I know, sounds <laughs> hypocritical considering right. that we're <laughs> doing that to commercial movies. Um, someone, someone, it has happened, and generally the consensus is, is that if the person asks the fan editor if they mind it's not that big of a deal it's when it kind of comes out of left field and uh someone does it i think it, it's it's more it's again hypocritical it's a little insulting <laughs> but um it i'm yeah no typically no um i i well i would never i don't think i would ever do it i actually have on my wish list of things i'd like to edit whenever i have time which is you know, not looking any time this century, but um, one of my favorite edits is kind of an old one. It's a Matrix one called Matrix uh, Revolutions Hacked and Matrix Reloaded Hacked. It's um, it's a fairly kind of, um, especially Revolutions, it's pretty drastic reordering of sequences and sort of becomes a retelling of it. And I'm really fascinated by it. But because it's an older edit, it's not available in HD. And huh. so... I've had a thought about redoing it in HD and, you know, making a few different choices here and there, but mainly adhering to what, um, I should say it's by a guy named Dr. M and mainly doing what he did with just a few tweaks. And I sent him a message and asking him if he, you know, would be cool with that. And he said, yeah, you know, go ahead, give me credit, you know, kind of detail where you've made changes, but you know, that would be fine. So I think, you know, if you want to do something like that, you go and, you know, ideally you get permission. Ideally, the person's still around. Maybe they're not even in the community anymore. But um, I think I think the idea would be to have a reason for it, not just kind of want to be able to say, hey, I did this edit. And, you know, basically you just worked off someone else's and you didn't really have to do anything to make an edit. You know, just have a purpose for it. The other thing is the... Um, I actually got the idea of my doing my prequel ridiculous edits from another guy on FE named AE Movie Guy, um, because he did something for Attack of the Clones, the second movie, where he did the like first te- first 15 minutes in that same style. Um, hmm. you know, different, you know, he had a different sensibility, but you know, just this silly kind of you know alternative take on it to try to make it humorous, and that kind of little, you know, that made the light bulb go off in my head. And, I'm not sure that I had necessarily asked permission for him because I had my own ideas, but I did kind of talk to him a little bit about, you know, this is kind of what I'm doing. And in fact, he sort of abandoned it on his own. And when I got to the second movie, he said, you know, if there's any of the stuff in there that I did, you'd like to use, you know, feel free. And I did cut a couple things directly out of what he had done and, and put it into mine. Hmm. In fact, now that I think about it, he gave me the idea for an entire thing throughout that second movie you know, one of the real problems with Attack of the Clones is that the romance between Adam, uh, Padme and Anakin is, is just not believable. It's just <laughs> terribly written. It's, it's you know, poorly acted. You know, I'm not sure it's really their fault. I, I don't right. think it is. I, the way the dialogue was written, the way it was directed, you know, what have you. So anyways, um, a movie guy did this scene where he tried to turn it around. You know, the whole movie, Anakin is wanting this relationship with Padme and she has no interest. And then at the very end of the movie, she turns on a dime and says, okay, I love you. <laughs> so 
a movie guy had this idea what if you flip it around and in the scene that he edited she's the kind of the almost the aggressor she wants this relationship and, and he's not interested and i took that idea and tried to run that through the whole movie where you know padme is the one who's making all these comments and all these suggestions and anakin's <laughs> not so sure about it hmm. so it, i, I kind of took a tangent on your original question but That's all right. um, the idea is i think if you have some sort of permission or agreement that hey you know just reach out to the person that you're trying to use their idea and just you know just be an adult about it basically adults about it basically and I, I think it's safe to say that i don't think if, if you reach out to the fan editor i don't think there's any fan editor that would say no because it's just <laughs> sort of the nature of what we do i mean yeah yeah it's it's just more of a courtesy. There's no sense of ownership really because like I know with um fan preservations at least or people ripping stuff off TV like you'll see on my screen a lot of times a person will say like this needs to stay in this community. Is there any of that with fan edits like where they don't want like they they still have some sense of ownership over what they're doing? Uh I would say probably not. Uh I mean, fanedit.org is just a database for presenting your movie and having the community review it. Hmm. Uh, we don't actually host anything. And I think we talked about that earlier. So that's sort of up to the fan editor. Uh, so basically, you, you've got to kind of seek them out yourself or contact the editor, and they'll tell you where to find it. So I guess in that regard, maybe. But um, I don't know. I think from my perspective, it's sort of, I mean, I feel an ownership to them, you know, my name's on them and I spent this time on it. But at the same time, I know that once I've put it out there to where anyone can, someone can get it, then anyone's going to be able to get to it. If, you know, once I put it out there, it's out of my control. Right. You know, um, and so, it, you know, I've seen, you know, if I do a search, you know, because I'm, I'm a pretty uh, egotistical person. I like to search <laughs> myself all the time. And when I search my edit, I'll see that it's been uploaded to like torrent sites, which I don't even know how to use. So, you know, and, you know, it just, it, it gets out of your control and it goes, you know, I mean, the, the plus is a lot of people will see it. That, you know, you might not have had any other way to have them see it before, but you just kind of have to give up control of it in that sense. Sorry, I thought I heard you about to say something cute too. <laughs> oh yeah, I was just yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, like a <laughs> like at FE. I mean, there it's not like there's no requirement that you only have to you know list it there and nowhere else. I mean, there's no exclusivity or anything like that. Is what I was just going to say. People are free to post it wherever they want. Yeah, and actually, that's a really good point because um, we have so many Star Wars edits and. <laughs> OriginalTrilogy.com has a fan edit section, and a lot there's a lot of cross talk and promotion between those two sites. Um, I list my edits. I have threads on both sites for my projects, and other people do as well. So yeah, there's definitely no like exclusivity or anything about it. Hmm. One of you mentioned uh, the reviews on fan edit. Uh, what is the purpose of the reviews? Is it to help? Or is the intention that the person will uh, fix issues with their edit or is it just as like a way of letting people know what they're in for beyond the, 
usually fairly extensive descriptions, like almost like running through time codes sometimes about every single thing they've done. Um, like what exactly is the purpose behind the, the reviews? I think, I think it's both. Um, certainly, um, you know, we certainly encourage people when they're reviewing to be honest. And when there are issues, you know, whether it's a technical problem with audio or video, or if there's a plot, major plot hole that's been created or something, we definitely encourage people to, you know, talk about that and include that in the reviews. But then it is also to let people know what they're in for as far as, okay, you know, this is an edit of, you know, a Terminator film. And here's the things that have been, you know, that were cut out and here's some things that were done well and here's some things that you know these a lot of people like but a few people didn't and you know it gives you a it gives you a, a sense of what you're in for when you you know commit the time to watching it yeah because i mean you do have to jump through hoops to get these things from time to time so that's why we kind of encourage honesty in in the reviews because if you're asking people to do these hoops or jump through these hoops uh to get these edits, I mean, you don't want their time wasted. And then also, depending on you know who your provider is for internet or whatnot, you might have a data cap, and so you don't want someone spending you know downloading a 15 gig file or 10 gig file or whatever if they've got you know a 20 gig cap and have it not be a good edit. I mean, you don't want them wasting their time or their bandwidth. We should talk about the quality control a little bit too. Sure. Um, so we don't just allow anyone to come in and list their edit. Um, hmm. if, if it's someone new to the community, we have a review process. We have a group of people that are known as the Academy, um, which has been in place for a while now. I think, can you remember, did it start before we got there? I don't think so. No, it started when we, um, I'm pretty sure it started when we moved away from the WordPress site and okay. kind of took over from the original owner. Okay. And I think, yeah, that might have been one of the issues was there were a lot of kind of substandard edits that were on the site at that point. And so I think the decision was made to kind of put this in place. So, so anyways, what the Academy does is when a person is new to the site, they submit their edit to the Academy and someone in the Academy who owns the original and has an interest in it will review it. And if it meets you know, the standards of the site and you know, it's things like I talked about, you know, it needs to be good audio and video quality. There needs to be no major plot holes. There needs to be, needs to, for the most part, make sense. You know, in special cases like my edit, it might be a little bit of a different situation, but in general, we're looking for a minimum standard of quality. And if it meets that standard, it gets listed on the site and that person becomes a listed fan editor. And from that point forward, they don't have to submit anything else. They, or they don't have to submit it to the Academy for review. They just submit it to our site. Now that they're a known entity, it goes up. Um, if there are problems with the edit, uh, the Academy member gives a review and gives notes and typically tries to help them through and shape it, fix technical problems, whatever it is, and get it to the point where it is approvable. Um, and then... With that being said, occasionally things get approved and then someone will come with their second edit and there are problems with it. And that's where the review process that you talked about comes into play is when people are, are reviewing edits that are already listed on the site, we might get several comments from people saying, hey, this video is all messed up or you know, this just doesn't make any sense. And then 
someone from the academy can go back and look at that and say, well, okay, yeah, we do have these issues. So the next time you want to submit an edit, we need to have it go through that review process through the academy again. And it should be noted that the majority of people, first-time submitters, are pleasant to work with. And if there are issues, um, they'll, they'll listen to the advice and make those changes. Um, and then generally, 90, 95% of the time, we never have an issue again. Um, on rare occasions, we do, we do bump into a person who wants nothing to do with the suggestions. They think their edit is the greatest thing ever. Um, and refuse to make any changes, and well, we just won't list it then. Um, and that's just how it is. I mean, it's it's. We should, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, we fine. should point out that we haven't really talked about what listing means. Um, and actually, you 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 were really involved in that. So if you want to talk about IFDB a little bit, um, go sure. Ahead. Uh, all right. So yeah, there's there's really two. Well, I guess technically three sections of the site. We've got the main news site, which is just sort of listing what has become available. We, we post that once a week, generally, uh, new edits that have come out, as well as anything that might be newsworthy um, just out there. Like when uh, Topher Grace released his Star Wars edit, no one has actually seen it. He's never released it anyone, but it was still a big news story because, you know, it's a, a famous actor went out and did this. Yeah. Uh, so things like that we'll, we'll mention. Uh, then there's the forum where it's just people talking, getting ideas or looking for feedback on early edits, that sort of thing. And then the, the big chunk of the site is the internet fan edit database. Um, and that is uh, where basically people will submit their fan edits, uh, list the changes, the type of edit it is, and then people will um, review it. And in the original site, it was just a, a 10 star rating system and that was it. Uh, and when we migrated everything over and that was a, a very, very long process because it was two completely separate systems. We had to actually manually go in and copy and paste every single edit. Uh, and at that time, I think we had about 700. Um, so we had to go in and manually get all this stuff moved over. Um, and we broke it down a little bit more um, where it was, you know, editing quality, video quality, audio quality, um, different star ratings for each. Correct, and they all have a slightly different weight for the final star rating, um, but it's basically to give you an idea, especially for, in many ways, I think for the fan editor, like, oh, okay, well, they like the 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 story that I'm trying to tell, but there's some problems in the video quality. It's couple pixelations here and there, whatnot, then it just kind of helps kind of um, focus where problems might be. Hmm. And so where I was going with that is when we talk about like the Academy review and listing your edit on the site, that's talking about that internet fan edit database. Um, even if you're not an approved editor or your edit is not approved, you know, for technical or whatever reason, you can still talk about it in the forum. We don't prevent that. So you can still have a thread about your project. You can still share clips. You can still, you know, do the whole thing. It just doesn't get listed on that database. Um, so I'm trying to think about the people that are submitting. Like, what kind of people are normally submitting? Is it normally just, is it normally Star Wars fans? Because it seems to be the vast majority of fans I've seen. Like, I've seen them for Tarantino films and stuff, too. Like, reorganizing them and stuff. But far far more than anything else it does seem to be star wars related well i think the prequels just 
everyone waited so long for those <laughs> movies, and then they were such a massive disappointment to people that, mm-hmm. that, and the fan base is so big to begin with, you just, you know, you throw that all together and people just want to fix that. But I do think we've had, it has slowed down a little bit in that we've, I was mentioning The Hobbit, um, you know, when The Hobbit movies came out, we've seen a lot of Hobbit edits lately. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. She was mentioning the Man of Steel. We've seen a lot of those lately. So, um, you know, when a big movie comes out and there's a sizable portion of people that, you know, either didn't like it or liked it but wanted it to be better, you'll see a kind of an influx <laughs> of that kind, that movie being edited for a while. And I, I'm, I, I've wondered for a long time what, why people gravitate towards Star Wars. I think it's partially what you said, Frank. But I also think that a lot of people kind of go to it who have no editing experience because they see that there are, oh, you know, there's a hundred people that have done these things. It's got to be an easy movie to edit and fix. And I'll tell you right now, out of all the edits, those are probably the most challenging just because of how the sound mix is. The sound mix is so complicated to get right Um, because music normally with like a six point channel system or a six point six tracks, I guess. Um, Generally, the center track is just dialogue. And so it's really easy for most movies to make these edits and preserve dialogue. Not not with Star Wars. You've got music in that center track. So it's not just just music in that center track. It works both ways. You have your front left, right, and your surround left, right that have dialogue in them. I've noticed it's a really... And it gets it gets worse as the prequels go on. Revenge of the Sith is by far the worst. Mm-hmm. Where anytime someone is talking indoors in any situation, the sound mix has the dialogue in practically all the channels. Certainly in the front, left, and right, if not also in the rears. And so that gets really difficult because you can cut out. So like, let's say you want to. Well, okay, in my case, I'm replacing dialogue in a lot of cases. I'm cutting out, you know. Hayden Christensen's original dialogue, and I'm replacing it from something he said in, like, Life is a House. (laughs) But the problem is, is I've cut out that center channel, but you can still hear him in the left and right channels, and it creates this echo, which is really noticeable. And that was something that it took me a while, like, the the first, the Phantom Edit one that I did, the Ridiculous ridiculous Menace, the first one I did, um, it's the audio work is not as strong as it has been going forward because it took me a while to figure out how to deal with that and when it's a problem and when it's not. And so when you review, when you read the reviews of my first edit, that's the main thing that people from a negative standpoint point to is, you know, there's, there's some audio stuff going on here that is kind of distracting. And Mm. that's a real challenge when that audio is, is, you know, when dialogue is not anchored just in the center and when music and effects are not anchored just everywhere but the center. So you guys and people in general generally use the surround uh, sound instead. They generally edit in surround instead of just in 2.0 or something. It varies. Um, some people, a lot of people do. And the advantage is it gives you a lot of flexibility um, to do things that you might not be able to do in 2.0. But um, it's a little more complicated. There's more going on. And, and, and a lot of people don't have surround sound systems. And so they can't review um, that work that they've done. 
So a lot of people do do uh, 2.0 edits. In fact, I'd say, I mean, even there are probably, I don't know, there are probably people who edit in 5.1 just because of the flexibility, but they don't produce a 5.1 track back out. When you watch their edit, it's in 2.0. That was going to be my next question because that was an interesting point about just the flexibility of having the 5.1 is probably the closest you can get to having like the original tracks as a fan. Yes. Um, do you guys have any more questions for each other? Well, we, we communicate pretty much fairly regularly. So, <laughs> yeah. How did you guys come to be admins at a fan edit? Well, just to be clear, I'm only a moderator. Oh, okay. Because, because, because I did not want to invest the, the time necessary to be an admin. Uh, but, uh, you're, you're a super moderator. Come on. <laughs> no, I have. I have access to some of the admin stuff. So, you know, when someone needs like a password changed or something, I can do things like that. But there, I just, I didn't want to get into all of the admin stuff. So, but anyways, now I've hijacked your question. Well, I, oh, how that happened. Um, we asked you. Yeah, you, yeah <laughs> you were an admin before, before I was on the team, right? Yeah. So what happened was the original, the original owner who was Boone 23, um, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think he just burned out on it. Cause I mean, he was, yeah. he was running the site himself for several years for the most part by himself. And he was spending hours a day keeping this stuff updated and cleaned up. And it was an old WordPress site and he, he just got tired. And so um, when he was ready to kind of give it up, I think he even talked to original trilogy to see if he was interested in taking over and kind of merging them. Hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, he wasn't interested either. Uh, but I think it's because OT is such a big community in its own right. Um, so several people that were just um, pretty, what's the word I'm looking for? Active, pretty active on, on FE stepped in. So there's Reeve. Um, I was one of them. Late Rider was another one. Uh, the man behind the mask was another one. Alberta one was another one and it kind of goes in waves. Some of these people aren't admins anymore. And it, it just, it is even with four or five people working on it. I mean, it still takes a lot of work. Um, but we try to kind of balance it out with all of us doing different things on the site. So you've kind of got the, like the front page news admin. Um, you've got the IFDB admin. Um, I kind of handle more the technical aspect, making sure the thing doesn't, you know, fall apart. And if it does, I just try to figure out a way to digitally duct tape things together. Um, so we all, we all have different roles in the process and, uh, and we kind of, the people that, uh, volunteered to take over just had different strengths that sort of, um, helped each other out, I guess. I mean, I actually remember one question, uh, jumping back, uh, you guys were talking about, uh, the people that come in when these disappointing films come out, are they generally new editors that are coming in or are they people just sort of that have their interest in editing, just revitalized, like or whatever the word is by these new horrible editions of films. I think it's both. It's both. Yeah. You see a lot of new people when these movies come out, but uh, established people do take their stabs at those things too. Um, and in fact, you'll see people that had been in the community and kind of disappeared for a while suddenly will kind of pop back up because that movie has kind of brought their interest back to getting back into it. Um, it happened 
it happened recently, I'd say, with uh, a guy named Spence, who, if I'm remembering right, didn't he come back recently because of the Hobbit edit? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I think it, I think it does both. You know, anytime a new movie comes out that there's this interest in, it brings out both new people and some, some of the regulars back that maybe been away for a while. So, obviously, it's it's um it would be against the law to sell these, but that I it seems like that does happen occasionally, doesn't it? That people try and start selling some of these fan edits. It does. It, and it's it's um, it's strictly against the rules, and this happens on OT also, and it's against their rules too. To to again, there's only so much we can do about policing things like that. But you know, if someone's talking about selling an edit, that's pretty much a one-way ticket to band town. I mean, <laughs> it's just not allowed. And. Uh, beyond that, when you know people in the community, a lot of times will report when things are being like sold on eBay. People will report that to try to get them pulled. Um, so yeah, it's it's very it's definitely not allowed to sell the work. I, I we all kind of you know you talked a little bit before about being in this kind of gray area that we that we operate in, and I don't think there's any question that selling selling this stuff is is really the way to end that gray area and make this a problem right yeah and i as long as i've been a part of fe i really don't remember ever seeing a fan editor themselves being banned because they were trying to sell it usually what happens is someone downloads the fan edit and then that person you know sells it on ebay or makes it available or tries to sell it on forums or I've actually seen a couple of them um, at like Comic-Con and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, there's only so much you can do, like Frank said about preventing it. The, the biggest one is if you see a site promoting it, uh, we sort of rally the troops to sort of go <laughs> in and report it multiple times to see if you can get it pulled. Uh, just because we, we're all very passionate about fan edits. We love that people take the time to do it. We love watching them. Uh, and it wouldn't be possible if, you know, people weren't actually making the original versions for us. Right. So we, 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 we definitely don't want to step on toes. So we, we do try to respect the original as much as possible. And one way of doing that is by basically forbidding the sale of these things. Do you guys know if anybody actually buys these? Cause I'm trying to, like, I'm not sure what the context would be where someone would actually purchase it. Like I can't, Without, because it seems like if there's like a name attached to who's editing it, I I don't know who that name would be, but uh, because it was like another director editing another director's film, but like I can't imagine how a fan edit would be marketed, really. Um, Adewins, who who's one of the, is basically considered like the top Star Wars fan editor with his um, uh, revisited edition. Uh, where he went in and added new special effects and all that stuff. And it's, it is a fantastic edit, but because his thing is so popular, um, that stuff ends up for sale everywhere. Hmm. Uh, and he's, he's, I mean, you, you, I mean, you're more familiar with, with his edit and his kind of background than I am, I think, Frank, but. Well, I would say also like um, Harmy's stuff probably gets yeah. a lot because his isn't really a fan. It's not a fan edit. It is a, you know, it's a reconstruction of the original trilogy movies. And, um, 
you know, in a sense, it's a fan edit because he's a fan who's doing this editing, but it's, you know, this reconstruction. So it's more of an attempt to be the original film. And he's certainly not selling it. He understands right. the issue as well as, as anyone. But I know that people have reported seeing his versions for sale looking like, I think, meant to look like they're the actual movies. I mean, I can understand Harmony's because Harmony takes, like you were saying, the original trilogy and makes them like the original theatrical cuts. But I, I think there's a, I think there's a, occasionally we'll see people asking where they can buy them. And I think that's part of it is not just understanding that they're freely available for download and that they're not supposed to be sold. Huh. See that an original trilogy quite a bit actually i didn't say quite a bit but it seems like more often than on fe where you just you get someone in a, in a thread saying hey this looks cool where can i buy it from and, interesting you, know, you can tell them you can't do that right well it's also sometimes i mean while torrenting isn't that complicated not a lot of edits well, i shouldn't say not a lot of edits aren't available on torrent but um it's not as sustainable as other mediums um but it does get a little bit more complicated uh, and they may not want to invest the time in figuring out how to get this stuff. Okay. Uh, so I think that's partly also why they say they, they, they think they can just throw money at it and get someone to give it to them. Um, and that's how I, that's how I handle all my problems. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, w- one of the things that we have at FE is we actually have a, a, a forum dedicated to it. It's a, a, a trade forum basically where you can put in a request to trade fan edits so it's basically no one's giving money away, but you're, you know, it's like almost like the old classic uh, trading um, concert albums on, you know, cassettes and stuff like that back in the day. Right. Well, actually, I used uh, not- to be involved in that, the trading of bootleg concerts. And one of the things they had was this thing they would refer to as B plus B, B plus P, which was a blank plus postage. Do you guys do that at all? Uh, yeah, we, we encourage it. Um, we say that you can't, you know, charge like you would a regular movie, but if you want to, if someone offers, or if you want to ask someone to reimburse you for the postage, I mean, that's not something we're going to stop. And most editors won't even accept that from what <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'll usually just, you know, if someone offers me, here's, you know, five bucks to send a priority mail and I'll just, you know, keep it. I'll just take care of it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but that sort of thing isn't that big of an issue. Well, honestly, the you know we call it trades and requests, but it's almost all requests now because <laughs> you know there's very little physical trading anymore. It's just all it's pretty much you know this edit is I haven't been able to find this. Does someone have it and can they upload it? Right. Yeah. When I was getting into bootlegs, it was like back in two thousand four or five, and it was like sort of right when BitTorrent was becoming a thing. So all of that what I was getting into was basically just like people trying to find the stuff that wasn't online so they can put it online then not really doing it for their own personal use a lot of times. Um, so I guess my last question would just be, do you either of you have aspirations or do either of you work as editors? Like, would you want to? Um, I went to school for, uh, for filmmaking. Um, I do have a BA in directing and screenwriting. Hmm. Um, but I, uh, after, many, many years of, of trying to get into the business and just realizing it's becoming more of a hobby than uh, a career path just because of, of how things are these days in movies. Um, I kind of got out of that, uh, but I, I still do work as a um, as an editor for a company oh, cool. um, where I'm at, but it's, it's not film related. It's more industrial type stuff than PR, but I still do edit. 
I'm an engineer. I've never seen, <laughs> I've never seen a, a bit of film in my life, actual film. So I, <laughs> no, I, I guess I already talked about this earlier, but I really had never had any interest in it and, and still don't, you know, it's just, it's purely a hobby for me. Well, I mean, I guess I'm assuming that you want to do this, but I guess at least, but you can answer too, Frank, because, uh, well, do either of you make your own short films or anything like your own original material? I, I don't, and <laughs> I haven't really, I haven't really had the itch to do that since I was like in high school. I have a buddy that we did a few really silly, stupid things along those lines. <laughs> Luckily, those will never see the light of day. But. <laughs> well, somebody uh, could do a fan edit of them. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got several short films that I've done uh, over the years, as well as a web series, and I actually a feature, uh, a feature film that did get um, worldwide distribution. It was a very wow. ultra low budget thing, but um, it did it did get distribution pretty much everywhere. I wish I could ask what it was, but I that would ruin your anonymity. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We could not be coming from more opposite ends of the spectrum, could we? <laughs> That's cool, though. I mean, that shows the spectrum. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. a really interesting community, which is why I'm glad I got to talk to you guys. And I'm going to talk to Harmy, um, maybe, no, on Tuesday, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I thought I had one more, but I forget what it was. Um, <laughs> Harmy actually, Harmy, didn't, he, got a, he got a job because of the preservation he was doing, didn't he? Really? He did. yeah. He's working for uh, some restoration company now. Oh, yep. wow. That's right. I'll have to ask him about that. I know he's in the Czech Republic working for somewhere in South America, I think he said. Um, but I, I didn't ask him what it was. Yeah, if I remember his uh, his post, and this was, I think, an, an original trilogy, uh, he gets to work from home. They actually, the company that hired him, actually sent him like a top-of-the-line editing system wow. uh, for him to do his work. So congratulations to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I said I didn't have any interest in being an editor, but if someone wanted out there wanted to send me a you know professional system to work on, I'd certainly accept it. <laughs> what are you using now, by the way? I mean, either of you, but I'm curious, especially about you, Frank, because you don't really have any interest outside of the few edits you've done. So I'm editing on a PC with um, Sony Vegas, and okay. specifically, so um, Sony Vegas, the the pro versions, like I want to say five hundred dollars, but <laughs> I'm using a, a light version called, I forget, the, they have some different terminology, but it's like, I think it's called Vegas Studio or Vegas Studio Platinum, something <laughs> like that. It's like a $60 version of Pro, which sounds bad, but it's really powerful for the money. It's, <laughs> it's a really good deal, and it can do a lot of stuff. And as years have gone on, they're on like version 13 now or something, they've added a lot of features. And there's very little that I can't do that can only be done with the Pro version. Um, so it, and then everything else that's to do the actual editing, but to get the sources into my computer, to do some of the audio stuff, to do the outputting, it, it's all pretty much freeware. Hmm. And what about you, Q? Uh, I use uh, Adobe Premiere these days. I used to, I used to cut on Final Cut, um, but uh, seven, I take it. Yeah, uh, yeah, Final Cut Pro or Final Cut Studio three whatever the last version was before they released the abomination is final cut x i mean i use um, it i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know i'm like in the minority but i do like it <laughs> uh you know what i i should i i came from final cut pro so when i yeah. it, it felt like a, a huge step backwards so and it was uh, i mean they've improved it since then but yeah still i mean there's still things i could only do in premiere if i wanted to do them 
Okay. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, when I needed to kind of continue moving forward with, uh, with, with updated software, um, Adobe actually created a keyboard layout that mimicked uh, Final Cut. So it was a very easy transition for me. Um, and it was no brainer when it came down to uh, having to switch. So, so these days Premiere on Windows. Cool. And I, I, have, I have one last question I, t- I totally forgot about. If, uh, how would you guys feel, I guess, one, if one of the directors, I guess mostly just George Lucas, um, especially in your case, Frank, but, uh, if one of the directors saw one of your fan edits and either liked it or disliked it, would that affect your ability to move on or would that make you feel good or bad? Like, would it matter at all? I don't, like, I don't think I would expect Lucas to like what I've done. <laughs> um, and so I don't think it would bother me. But having said that, he's generally been pretty friendly to the, like, the just sort of the fan film community in general over the years. Mm-hmm. And if he did like it, I think I'd, th- I'd think that's pretty cool. You know, that would be really neat. But I don't think it would change. Like, I would keep doing it either way. Like, you know, it might. I'd rather him like it than not like it. I think it'd be cool if he did. And if he didn't like it, it might bum me out for a day. And then I'd be like, eh, you know, <laughs> I'm still going to keep doing it. And, you know, I, I really, honestly, when I'm doing those, those pretty cool edits, I'm, I'm doing them for myself first. I'm, I'm doing versions that I would like to watch again in the future, versions that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully other people come along on that ride and like it too. So, you know, it goes for anyone out there. I hope people like it, but if they don't, you know, I'm still going to do it for me. Yeah. And it goes along with um, anyone that works in doing something creative. You sort of have to have a thick skin because obviously there's going to be people that don't like what you're doing and will say some nasty things in a review or in the forums to you. Um, and it kind of goes the same way as if, if, you know, a director saw your edit and absolutely hated it. Well, you know, yeah, it does suck, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's just another a critique. And, you know, they, I'm sure Michael Bay thinks all his movies are fantastic. And there's a lot of fucking people that are going to disagree with him on that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine but, a so, fan of a Michael Bay film. That seems like it would take years. Oh, there are several Transformers edits. Really? Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think if there are any other Michael Bay edits out there. Um, wasn't there an Armageddon one at one point? Yeah, that sounds right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, Pearl Harbor. Someone did a Pearl Harbor, which actually was pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they, they toned it down. They got rid of some of the romance and made it a little bit more, I guess, less cheesy. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't think I'd ever own a Michael Bay movie. Didn't he do The Island? He no, did. No. Yeah. Oh, he did do The Island. I was thinking of uh, The Beach. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't think I'd ever own a Michael Bay movie, but um, there's a guy on uh, original. He's on FE also, but he's mainly on Original Trilogy. He's a moderator over there called Silverwork. And he has kind of devoted himself to sending me um, over the last couple of years, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen movies <laughs> as, as sources for me to cut into my prequel edits. And so I, because Ewan McGregor is in the island and Michael Bay owned it, I now own a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> it took me a minute to put that together. I totally forgot. I tend to forget the number of people that were in the prequels. They just had a oh, lot yeah. of fucking actors in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm sure I've watched more Hayden Christensen movies than anyone else out there. I'm, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, unless you guys have anything more to say, I guess that wraps it up for me. 
Well, I would just encourage people to come and visit the site and just, you know, see what's there and, you know, download a few of the things that look interesting and, um, you know, just, just check it out. And um, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, can you uh, remind what, us what the sites are and how exactly you do download the films? If you, if you own the films, how you download them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the, the site, the main site we've been talking about is, is www.fanedit.org. And we've also been talking about originaltrilogy.com. And um, on FE, there are links, not to the movies, but there are links that talk about how you can get the movies. There are, you know, descriptions of there. I, I guess we can talk about the, the main site that hosts uh, the movies is a place called fanedit.info. Well, and we should mention that it's not, yeah. doesn't host the movies themselves. No, 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 that's they, correct. They host something called DLC files or NZB files, which are sort of almost like torn files, but they basically are the files that allow you access to where the files actually are hosted, I guess. It's sort that's of right. a, <laughs> I don't know how else to word it. That's a good point. They don't host the actual files. They have the links to the places that host the files. And another thing to mention is, is we're not affiliated with fanedit.info at all. We're completely separate. We don't have anything to do with them. But most editors choose... Most editors choose to use info as the place to put those um, or to put the links to those movies. So um, FE is a place to find out about the edits, to talk about the edits, to review them, to get feedback on them when you're working on them. And then you go other places to get them, info being typically the main one. Okay. Um, Do you have anything else, Q? (laughs) Uh, I do. I do not. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for talking to me. That was really interesting. And I'm really, I really like your guys' community because it is one of those sort of underground things that can never really become mainstream, I guess, <laughs> by the nature of it. We well, don't wanna, there's a lot of discussions on the forums about like, you know, what would happen if it became mainstream or, you know, ways that it could become mainstream. Is that a good thing if it happened or a bad thing? And, um, you know, it's an interesting topic. And I'm not sure that I know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't, it it almost, it feels a little bit like an exclusive club to some extent. If it became a mainstream, it's kind of opening a whole can of worms. I don't think anyone wants to deal with. Um, But speaking, uh, talking mainstream though, uh, Steven Sodenberg, uh, he actually is, I'm sure, I'm sure most people know who he is as a, as a director, right. but he actually does fan editing, editing himself. He, um, he did one of 2001. He did one of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, and he's, he's actually had cease and desist and had to be taken, had to take stuff down himself. Oh, right. Was uh, he putting them on Vimeo, I think? Yeah. 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 yeah I uh, think so he did he, one he's of... gotten in trouble himself uh, and he knows these people for the most part. You know, that's a good point. I should mention when you're talking about, you know, how to get them. Um, some people do put their work on whether, you know, YouTube's kind of difficult sometimes, but Vimeo, a lot of people, or uh, some people do have their edits up on Vimeo. And I think that's where you watched mine, right? With yeah. The Vimeo links. Yeah, because yeah. you can do it through Chromecast now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I put my stuff on Vimeo so you can watch it there as well if you don't want to download the DVD. So, um, you're ballsier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the worst that happens, it seems, is usually just a cease and desist letter, which yeah. isn't really a threat. It's just saying, like, we will threaten you if yeah. you do something, you don't do something. 
if that happens, it gets taken down. But I've had them both on there. You know, the the, the Phantom Menace edit I've had on there for probably three years now, I'd say. And you know, I, I think I think you're safe from people confusing your edit with the original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. You, you almost seem to fall under fair use because it's very clearly a parody. Like yeah. even though it's the original material, it's very clearly edited. And, yeah, like you said, yeah. anyway, it's not meant to be confused with the original. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for talking, to you guys. I'm gonna turn off the recorder. Um, Hi. Thanks for having us. Remind me of you. Band number one, Roaring Car Engines, The Snowy Suburbs of Boston, Dirty Fingernails, Books Hollowed Out in the Middle to Hide Weed, The Giddiness of First Love in the Operatic Drama When It Falls Apart. Band number two, The Only Song Ever Written About Me, Huge Old Pickup Trucks, Huge Blue Eyes, A Pale Arm Snaked Across a Shoulder, Marking Territory, The Dizzying, Gnawing Feeling That I Will Never Love and Be Loved Again. Band number three, Motorcycles Pulling Up in My Driveway at Night, Dusty Used Bookstores, First Kisses Pressed Up Against Cars, Chest Scars from Knives. The sting of someone abruptly changing their mind. Man number four, Jeff Buckley. The desire to fuck in the middle of the classroom. The Lorimer Street Stop. Early snowstorms in October. The agony when you have hit your lowest low and everything you think you own goes with you. Man number five, coffee refills, broken ankles, Japan, an ego bruised by the unknowable woman before me. The sinking ache that you will never be important enough. Men past, present, and future, the hangdog doubt that men can truly, wholly, fly, and the foolish insistent desire to do so myself regardless. Hello? Hi. Hi. Are you the person from the misconnection thing? Yes. Okay. Hi. <laughs> um so I I don't know how to start exactly. Like I guess just what a what was the point of your misconnection? Um I don't know if there was really a point. I guess <laughs> I was just kind of reading them myself and just thinking about things and I don't know, I wanted to get some thoughts out and kind of with the thought that none of the people I was writing about would ever read it is kind of, you know, it's kind of intriguing. So they all makes it easier. So all five of the people were real people. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. Hmm. Um, 
so what what were you doing in the misconnections then um i mean just just browsing because i always found it interesting to um just kind of see what other people are going through because especially like living in new york city there's so many people and everyone kind of has their own life and is doing everything that they're doing and you kind of wonder what they're going through so sometimes you just kind of go through misconnections to I wouldn't say form a connection to people because you know it's kind of impossible but at least (laughs) see that the people that you see every day you know that they're people too with their own lives and their own struggles kind of it's it's kind of humanizing in a way huh so you don't actually like go there looking for anything specific just to sort of gauge the community you're in. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me to see um you know just the different the way that different people even write like not just the way they think but the way they write, you know, it's it's kind of a creative space. Uh I find it really interesting cuz I mean of course you see some you see some really ridiculous things, you see some sad things, you know, so it's just kind of fascinating. Do you ever reach out to the people that you see on there? Not because you know them, but just to like talk to them? Um, very rarely. I would say almost never. I've maybe sent responses once or twice, but not the kind of responses that you respect a response to in return. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> like, I don't know, just saying something out of commiseration. Like I've, I've sent maybe one or two saying to the person more or less that I know how they feel or something like that. Did they respond? No, but <laughs> like I said, they're not, you know, those kind of messages aren't, they're, they're almost rhetorical. They, they don't require a kind of response. <laughs> did people, did anybody respond to your ad on there? Um, yeah, a, a couple, maybe at least maybe one or two. What were they saying? Were they just like trying to hit on you or something? Uh, in a way, I remember one, at, at least for this specific post, one guy who obviously I'm guessing from the context must have been older because he was like, you know, he saw my age on the thing and he, he was like, oh, why is it that all your, like, you write so well, but all your peers can barely string a sentence together and also your ad was sexy. You're so, sexy. You know, like, like, okay, thanks, I guess. <laughs> what about it? Did he think it was, did he think it was sexy just that you were talking about men? <laughs> no, I mean, I mentioned sex in it, so I'm guessing that's why. And the thought of, I don't know, like, maybe this kind of person, like, seeing, like, 23-year-old female talking about sex, he puts ideas in his own head or something like that, so. That's kind of sad. <laughs> I'm, I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what you said, this ad, have you posted other ones on there too? I'm trying to think, I don't think I've ever posted anything else in, in the kind of, um, uh, genre of like an open note or poetry or anything like that. I think that was like the first thing I've done. Okay. So before you did like just. I don't, I don't want to press you like or about anything. No, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but just like before it was like actual ads then. Um, yeah, like maybe a couple, like I said, I mostly just kind of, you know, read them. I don't post a lot, um, mm-hmm. but like a couple. And of course I get more responses to those, <laughs> you know, those being guys looking to see if, you know, women are noticing them, I guess, because 
it's funny because if you actually look at the, you know, women for men and the men for women pages, like, like it differs so much because the men for women, there's like so many more ads. There's like so many more pages than the women for men. So I guess, you know, the type of guys who are posting in the men for women want to look at the women for men because, you know, they're, I don't know, maybe they want some kind of interaction really badly. Yeah. If, this is kind of weird, but have you, actually, have you ever actually looked at the men for men misconnections? I'm pretty sure I've browsed a bunch, like just to see what's going on in them, just because it's kind of fun. Yeah, they seem they have like because you mentioned a dynamic there, and it's really between about the men for women. And I've always found the men for men really interesting because there's a lot of very secretive ones on there. Hmm. Like it's I don't know. Maybe I should try and talk to somebody from there too, because there's always like, like I've seen like straight up bizarre. When I used to live in Philly. I would look at them sometimes just out of curiosity so what's going on. And like there was one that was like, uh, I watched you jerk off in your car, but then he was like too <laughs> nervous to get the t- to get his name before he left. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I uh, mean, you see, like you see a lot of stuff like that in the men for women, obviously, but right. yeah, it seems, it seems more interesting in the, in the men for men. And it's funny if you actually go to women for women, there's like, there's like five ads total. There's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah I noticed that too. Um, I guess, huh? So, would you ever actually look for somebody in the misconnections, like for real? Um, you mean lo- like looking to see if someone had noticed me? Yeah, or like post looking for somebody, since you mentioned that like the women for men is very sparse. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think I have maybe posted once or twice, um, like not the whole looking for someone to hook up with thing, which is more like, um, like they have a, they have a different section for that. But the, you know, like I noticed you specifically, like I said, I think I've done like one or two of those and I got a good amount of responses. Like it was actually interesting. I posted one about this guy who kind of stopped me on the street. I was actually heading to my boyfriend's place (laughs) and he stopped me and like, just asked my name and, and, you know, cause as a woman, you're kind of suspicious sometimes. So I'm like, my name is so-and-so why? And then he's like, because I thought you were pretty and I wanted to know your name. And it was, it was actually very arresting. I mean, kind of in a positive way, like I admired his confidence. And when I said that I had a boyfriend, he, he completely backed off and he was like, have a good night. So I was actually like really impressed with that kind of behavior. Cause you know, usually it's unfortunately the opposite. So I actually posted something kind of um about him and i said like you know i actually thought you were cute too and if i wasn't you know already unavailable i probably would have talked to you for longer and it's interesting because i mentioned in the ad that he was an asian man and i'm a white woman mm-hmm. and then i got i got a handful of responses from asian men saying like oh i'm so glad you posted this this gives me more confidence oh wow <laughs> yeah that's sweet so. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of interesting, and well, especially talk like they were like, "Yeah, I found, I I always find white women attractive. And now it's going to give me more confidence to go talk to like you know white women or women in general." So, kind of an interesting response. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I feel weird. Like I know there's like so much stigma around Craigslist, so I feel weird asking these questions. But like, do you spend a lot of time browsing through other parts of Craigslist too, or do you? No. It's, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I used to go through 
kind of phases of looking at it. I mean, like I said, I think the misconnections portion is kind of the most interesting. Although, of course, you have the best of Craigslist, which is always great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, you, if you really need to waste time somehow. Uh, I mean, same with misconnections. But, um, right. yeah, like, I don't know. There are, there are times when I check it pretty frequently just because it's, it's one of those things where I remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, if I'm bored, it's like, oh, yeah, there's misconnections or something. And I'll go through that. And then because it was on my mind, I'll do it for like a few days or something. And then I'll totally forget about it. It's like one of those <laughs> things where you kind of do it in like, well, I do it in like, like a binge format kind of. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know. It's like any other time waster on the internet, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, do you mind if I ask a little bit about why these five men? Cause you said they're real men, right? Yes. Is there a reason why you chose these five? I mean, they've, I mean, I'm, again, from the age in my ad, like, I'm fairly young. Right. Um, so these, I guess, have been the most important men in shaping, I guess, my views on, like, romance and life and love and sex and things like that. Um, so, and like I said, it's, it's you know, a small number. I'm pretty young, but, um, yeah. yeah, they they just always kind of come to mind and I'm always kind of thinking about those kind of things. And those five guys just come to mind for that. Hmm. Do you still have the song that was written about you? Um, I don't, well, I, (laughs) I don't have, um, lyrics or anything like that or a recording, but, um, I do remember how it went. Um, and I saw this guy, you know, he performed it like personally for me, like just him and his guitar or something, but he never, because, you know, he was in a band and he sometimes does like open mic nights and stuff. I've never seen him perform it, you know, to anyone else, yeah. just to me. So, um, but yeah, I remember how it goes. I don't, I don't actually like have it physically though. Was that uh, really uncomfortable to to be sitting there while he's just singing a song he wrote for you? No, no. I mean, cause at least with that guy, it was like, you know, it was like the honeymoon stage, like beginning of our relationship, you know, one of those, or it's like, we were just falling in love. So, you know, it's not, it always sounds cheesy when you talk to someone else about it, but it's not cheesy when you're in the moment. Yeah. I don't know. Just, I don't know. For some reason, though, like early on, it seems like that might, that could either go really well or just horrifically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just trapped there while this person is burying their soul and you're just like, eh. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> no, I mean, I get what you're saying, but it's kind of funny because I mean, those five guys that I talked about were pretty significant for me. So obviously I had some type of feelings for all of them. So like, it would be kind of different if it was, you know, some guy that I didn't really like. And then he did that. And I was like, Oh God, I need to get out of here. You know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, I guess one other thing that sticks out is, uh, you just have the word Japan for man. Number five. (laughs) Yes. What is, uh, you wrote, so it says coffee refills, broken ankles, Japan, is there a connection between those three um, things? <laughs> um, yes. I I don't want to, you know, go into too much detail, sure. but um, this guy has a child halfway across the world in Japan. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, the broken ankles, though, too. I, I, reading back, on, like, I can't not ask about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's actually, it's funny. It's pretty straightforward. I guess, you know, with the format of it, some of the things are very straightforward and some aren't, but like yeah. he broke his ankle. That's about it. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> but now, but it's like one of those things where it's like now whenever I see someone on crutches, I think of him. So it's, you know, that kind of thing. Huh. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything else, really. Unless, is there anything else you would want to, you, that, I sh- do you think I should have asked about the uh, ad? <laughs> um, I mean, not not that I can think of. I don't know. I think I think that was a fairly comprehensive discussion of everything. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask if you mind reading it, but I realized I took a snapshot of it because it's not online anymore. Yeah. Um, do you you didn't save a copy of it yourself? I take it. Yeah, I actually I saved a draft. Really? If you'd like me to send it, yeah. If you you know want it for readers or something or listeners i don't know yeah well i mean yeah, i actually i took a snapshot but uh would you actually mind reading it because i'm curious how you hear it when you read it mm, i don't want to read it no <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm i actually i studied writing in school and i'm in an industry involving writing now and so just one of the worst things in the world was in my, all my creative writing classes, having to read my work out loud was the worst thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I took I, – I signed up for two different creative writing courses, and the first day in each of them, I said you had to read your stuff out loud, and I dropped both of those courses after the first day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's a useful exercise in, in both, you know, getting over yourself and public speaking and whatever, I guess, and artistic expression, but it's still horrible, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't blame you. Um, would you mind yeah. if I at least like had a like a robot read it or something? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I actually, I would be very interested to hear that. Okay. Yeah, I'll just throw so. it through a Google Translate and have it read it. <laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know when I put it up. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. That was a really awkward goodbye. I don't know why. Anyway, as I announced at the beginning of the program, we have a really big Gawker guest for the Gawker thing this week with Kinsey Unicorns. But we can't announce it yet because we want to make sure it actually happens first. So thanks for sticking around to hear that again. It's, uh... Something of you. If anybody has an idea for what we can call the Gawker episodes, let us know. All I've come up with is OM Gawker. But, uh, that's pretty dumb. Uh, let's see. I found out recently there's a bunch of people listening to this. I don't know who any of you are, but... If you wouldn't mind leaving a review on iTunes or on Stitcher, since we're on Stitcher now, make us seem more legit so we can get more people like our potential guests this Thursday. I guess I said at the beginning of the program, so we're going to do this. Who has a uh, Wikipedia page? Actually, the guy just doesn't have a Wikipedia page, which surprised me, but he should. And we'd like to have other people that have, that actually do have Wikipedia pages. So leave us a review on iTunes and make a scene real. Also, subscribe on iTunes or what have you. All podcatchers have subscription features as far as I know. So 
you want to keep hearing me asking you to subscribe, you can subscribe and every week you can hear me ask you to subscribe twice. Why are you listening to this? This is so fucking stupid. I don't have anything of value to say to you people except uh, to subscribe and listen to more of me say stupid things and hey, you can give me money on Patreon or PayPal. I fixed the PayPal thing this week. Also, send your guest suggestions and what have you to Rob at undressingunderground.com or call the phone number I never remembered a number of and leave me a voicemail with uh, your rants, raves, short stories, poems, or what have you at 260-PUNK-POD 260-PUNK-POD It doesn't actually connect to a phone, just a voicemail so there's nothing to worry about You're not going to talk to anybody let alone me uh, is there anything else? Seriously, some of you guest suggestions. I want to know who you think I should talk to, or if you are interesting, like the person on Thursday that I won't tell you about yet, who actually reached out to me and suggested themselves. You can do that too. You can also find music from the people like this and that song before the Craigslist thing called Call on the blog at undressingunderground.com. All right, that's it. Hi, Granddad. You said you listened, so I'm saying hi. Also, hi, Laura, Conifer. I'll say hi to more people if you guys leave reviews or donate money or something. Bye. Oh, and by the way, if, if anybody who does fan preservations, like 35 millimeter or 16 millimeter or whatever, like Team Negative One wants to talk to me before next week, I'll be happy to throw it on after my chat with Harmy of the Despecialized Star Wars editions.